What's up, ZPAC? It's your boy, ZDogMD. Check it out. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Sorab Jha. He is Associate Professor of Radiology at University of Pennsylvania, and he is a British-trained medic and U.S. practicing radiologist. So he spans both worlds, and he is going to talk to us today about the Alfie Evans case. Dr. Jha, nice to see you again. Thank you, Zubin. Listen, sir, this thing is blowing up uh, minds all around the world, but in the U.S., the way people see it, Alfie Evans, young child at seven months or so, diagnosed with a degenerative uh, neurologic condition where his brain pretty much just atrophied encephalopathy, uh, brain destruction, and as a radiologist, you can talk a bit to that, but the bottom line is the physicians at the center taking care of him felt that there was no meaningful recovery and that palliative care, making him comfortable, was the best bet. The family, who were fairly devout Catholics, disagreed and wanted to take him to Italy, which granted him citizenship. He had an audience with the Pope, the father, and they said, oh no, we can do all this stuff. Let the parents decide. And where this ended up was, the, the higher courts in Great Britain actually sided with the medical team at the hospital and ultimately ventilatory support was removed and Alfie died several days later. The controversy to me seems to be the libertarian and conservative argument in the US is like, wait, who are the doctors as apparatchniks of the state, which is the NHS, which is socialized medicine and all the evils thereof, making decisions, effectively murdering this child against the wishes of the parents. And that has been the biggest pushback. Alfie's army was created to sort of harass and intimidate the frontline healthcare professionals taking care of Alfie, and it went there uh, on and on and on and on. So now you have a very unique perspective on this. We've linked to your article, which is long and intense and nuanced, which I think everyone should read. But I wanna hear from you what you think about this. Well, Zubin, let's start off with the first thing, which is that the state executed Alfie. Did this happen? I think the public discourse these days is, as you will appreciate, very histrionic. When you talk about anything, it's either Trump is a short step to national socialism or Obama's overreaching and becoming Mussolini. There's just too much drama. <laughs> so if the, if the rationale is this, that if it's murder stopping ventilation against the parents' wishes. Withdrawing ventilation. Withdrawing yeah. ventilation. But if they say, yes, it's not murder, then imagine this. Imagine if I say to you that it's murder if you shoot a child, but it's not murder if, you, if the parents say you can shoot a child. You think that I'm an idiot, right? So this is the problem is that these type of arguments or these type of discussions can really disperse in very histrionic directions. So what actually happened was that you had a child with, as you mentioned, progressive, relentless, um, encephalopathy, or encephalopathy as I should say. You Brits, <laughs> oh esophagus. And serial MRI showed that his brain was being replaced by water, CSF, and whatever brain he had actually left, whatever neuronal tissue, it had restricted diffusion, which is what you see in MRI after a stroke. Mm. So you know, the sodium pump fails, and water stops getting in. I don't want to sound too technical, but essentially his neurons were not doing anything. They were fibrillating. Yeah. And the only activity he had were seizures, infantile spasms, which are like the worst sort of seizures, which are very difficult to control. Where, where, the, where the child just contracts. Right. Yeah. Right. Where you know the back arches, and they do you know they, they do things which doesn't look pretty. And yeah. so you you've had you have a group of people, pediatric neurologists, epilepsy experts. Um, degenerative disease experts who have who assessed him and who said that look this 
there's going to be no meaningful recovery from this. His brain is being destroyed. It's incurable. It's progressive. He's ventilator dependent. But we can't rule out the fact that he's suffering. We can't rule out the fact that he has pain. Because even though his thalamus was you know, pretty much destroyed, there was still a small possibility that he could be suffering. Mm. And what they wanted to do wasn't to kill him, but to offer him palliation. So this conflation between stopping ventilation and executing, that kind of puts palliative care in like, you know, disrepute. You know, yeah. he, and everything about that is how you frame things. So to say that you're pulling the plug and, uh, and, and killing him is one thing. To say A and D, allow natural death, right. is another thing. With comfort, the idea that he could have been suffering is, is, is central to this. Because if he was absolutely A-conscious, just mm. a vegetable. Right. Well, first of all, then the parents would have no real grounds to say we want to keep him alive because what are you doing? Right. And then the doctors would have no grounds to say, well, don't transport him to, to Italy because he's not going to suffer either way. You're paying for it, not the state, so go ahead. Right. Now, what about this idea that the state made this decision? Right, so I, I, don't, I think people are, still have this communist hangover and this communist fear. Logan. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I kind of appreciate it. There was like, you know, there's a very bad regime. But in Britain, you don't have the MI5 with secret agents going into NHS hospitals, switching off ventilators. Mm -hmm. Decisions are made by physicians. And the fact that, and, and you know, every now and then you, you're going to have a tension between a physician and the parent. And by the way, uh, you know, libertarians should appreciate one thing, that in Britain, you can't vaccinate a child against the parent's wishes. Right. Right. So, you know, we all know vaccination helps with herd immunity, right? It leads to net good. But you can't just vaccinate somebody for the greater good. But you can force a child or force a child to have antibiotics against the parent's wishes if the child has uh, meningitis. child has meningitis, you can so, force antibiotics, but you cannot force them to get the meningitis vaccine to prevent the meningitis. Exactly. Right. And so it's not as if British doctors are working for some greater good or utilitarianism. And he was in the ICU for over a year. So this idea that, oh, okay, so is it about the costs? Tell us. That's kind of inflammatory, given that he was in the ICU for a year. Nobody ever cared about the costs. Right. And it wasn't as if people say in England, oh, by the way, we, you know, we need to switch the uh, uh, ventilator off in Alfie because, you know, um, uh, because a sweater in room five needs it. It doesn't work that way. Mm. People don't make these type of, hey, switch the ventilator off here so that this patient. Specific you know, rationing right. decisions right. are not made by physicians. Now, of yeah. course, the system has constraints. Right. And maybe the EOL expression here, end of life mm -hmm. expression here, which in your videos you've kind of said that it is brutal and barbaric. Yeah. Uh, and versus there, the resources might have something to do with it. But I think that even so, I don't think that's the case. So it's not rationing in any form. What you see over here, if you, if you look at it slightly differently, at least, you know, this is the conclusion that I came to, is that what what the fact that when the hospital had a disagreement with the parent and it came to an impasse about the ventilator being switched off, the involvement of the court was a check and balance. It basically told doctors that medical paternalism is an absolute. Mm. You know, we're going to check and balance you. Now, what the court did, mm. what the High Court did, uh, and Justice Hayden, he wrote very nicely on this, is the court then took disparate experts from everywhere, from Great Ormond Street Hospital from Germany, from Italy, and said, first and foremost, tell me, can we be wrong about the, you know, about Alfie's prognosis? And they all said, no, you're yeah. absolutely correct. He yeah. has no hope. Yeah. The only issue that so so medically, there was general consensus. Right. 
So then, so then what the court did was the court then deferred to medical expertise. I mean, this is like you know, your check and balance system. Right. And then the court granted Alfie's father, uh, who represented Alfie along with um, some excitable people who were sort of who had other who had other theocratic ambitions. Mm -hmm. um, and but Alfie's father was much smarter than them, and and Justice Hayden praised him for the kind of questions he asked. Like, mm. like you know, one of the questions he asked was that, can the brain regenerate like the liver does? Yeah. So you know, he went, you know, he went to Google, he did his own work. They were really smart questions. Mm. So he allowed for that, and that, that is what humanity is. Humanity is actually allowing representation, not just saying, oh. I agree with you, but giving a chance to represent. So what I'm understanding is the question of medical paternalism. So in other words, the doctor makes the decision on behalf of the patient in the patient's best interest against perhaps the sole remaining decision maker, which is the parents. In the US, we say no parents above all, they make the decisions, et cetera, uh, and, and it's very tricky. There what they're saying is no, the doctors are saying there's no hope, there could be suffering. Even getting him airlifted to Italy could cause the induction of spasms mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. seizures and infant, which could cause suffering. We, we do not think this is in the best interest of the child. Now, the, the, the parents, unlike in a totalitarian state, had the right to then go to the courts, and they did, and Alfie's father represented him in the courts, right. and they went through the process. They had medical experts, and it was determined by the courts and an appeal mm -hmm. that the, the medical team was correct in their assessment. So at that point, ultimately, he was withdrawn from ventilation, and natural death was allowed, and he died. Now, where do you think, when, when people who are very upset about this, and this emotional thing, mm -hmm. and the truth is, look, if we were that parent, we might have behaved exactly the same way. But the question is, as a medical ethics thing, are we seeing the evidence of a totalitarian state making decisions? Are we seeing the evidence of medical paternalism gone crazy? Or are we seeing the evidence of a team of experts who do this for a living, who saw potentially suffering in a child with no hope, and made the best decision they could, and in, and in reward for that, were attacked on social media, personally attacked, with mobs of people outside the hospital? And, and to me, that's the question. Right, and you know, you've got to give them some credit for the courage. It would have been so easy for them to just acquiesce to populism and send Alfie over to Italy, but they stuck by their convictions. Should they have, or should they have acquiesced? I don't think, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, where I probably would have. Yeah, I, I might have too. Yeah, but I can see their side as well. Right. And I can see that, you know, they're not that, Brits aren't terribly ostentatious. <laughs> Wait a minute, I just saw a royal wedding. <laughs> What are you talking well, about? Well, the ostentatious ones have migrated to the United States. Ah, so, like my friend yeah. here. So, uh, but the, the thing is that when you look at the reaction, the public reaction, I have two ways of actually interpreting that. One is, oh my God, it's not, it's not populism again. But the other way of interpreting is that that is the check and balance. Mm. That is our natural check and balance in a representative democracy mm. where you have anger, where you have people posting stuff on social media. So this idea that this is somehow going to be a slippery slope and the next person that's going to be involved is somebody with cerebral palsy and the next person that's going to be involved is somebody with trisomy 21, that's just that slippery slope argument, that you know, kind of linear um, type of first order thinking. Yeah. But it doesn't happen that way. This, this is an extremely unique case. Right. And you can't even compare Alfie to Charlie Gard or yeah, yeah. They're, they're like you know categories of their own. It's like apples yeah. and oranges. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, so you know, 
maybe the outcome wasn't what people wanted it to be, but the system still served its is function. Valid, is yeah. valid, yeah. and that's my take. And the fact is, again, as representatives of frontline healthcare practitioners, I have to say, I, and you said this at the end of your article, the people who took care of Alfie Defer deserve a standing ovation for the at least doing their jobs to the extent that they did in a way that had integrity and in the face of a lot of public outcry. And again, the public outcry is okay because it is a series of checks and balances. However, the public is not making the decision, right? It's the family and the medical team, and in this case, the courts, and that system ultimately worked. Right, exactly. The NHS is not as evil as people think it is. <laughs> it's 75% as evil. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Ja, what I love is, again, you bring a perspective from across the pond and a local perspective. Um, we're going to link to your blog. You're associate editor also of the Healthcare Blog, which is a great source of knowledge and uh, editorial comment, and trying in your own way to spread light and reason across the darkness of the waters. Dr. Ja. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. And Tom, thoughts? I guess my only question is, why do the Brits hate freedom so much? <laughs> so, I, so I haven't convinced you at all. <laughs> hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.